Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes. We're good? We're good. All right. Those were two absolutely beautiful songs. I picked the second one. It happens to be my daughter's favorite song. Every time we're in the car, she puts it on and we sing along. But this morning, I was listening to the words and I just, oh my goodness, you have to stop sometimes when you've heard something so often and kind of think about the words, right? And I just thought this song was beautiful and it ties beautifully to that first song. So that first song was all about Jesus and his sacrifice and what only he could do for us, right? And then the second song is us worshiping and praising him as sheep, that he is our shepherd, that we will have valleys and we will struggle, but we can turn to the one who did it perfectly, our champion. So I love those songs today. So perfect. Um, Let me open us up in prayer and then I'll get into the teaching. So, Dear God, I am so thankful for all the women here today. Lord, I pray that this teaching, that our time together, that our community, that our prayer, that is all in Jesus's name, that we bring glory to you and continue to grow always. Amen. So speaking of prayer, I don't know if you all had this type of discussion in your, your groups last week, but Rhonda really touched on what prayer is when we pray in the name of Jesus. So when I was praying for this teaching in preparation, I kept thinking about God's glory and, and just thinking how freeing and powerful that was to have that in our prayer. And it was so important to me because I feel like I've always kind of struggled with prayer a little bit because I know that we're supposed to give up our will to God, that he's going to do what is best no matter what. And I've always been like, oh man, I am all right with that. Like, it's in God's hands. But we still need to pray. I still need to pray, knowing he will do what is best, knowing that it is his will. But we need to be in communication with him in prayer. And so in preparing for this teaching, I really laid bare my weaknesses and where I needed his help to guide me in this teaching for his glory. And I have to say, I don't usually have maybe this quick of a response, but God, I felt like was speaking to me immediately. And as I was laying down my weaknesses and just saying, oh God, this, I need your help. I, I know what I need help in. And he was, and I was listing these things. I could hear him almost say, oh, just like Peter. Oh, mm-hmm. just like Peter. And I thought, wow, that's it. And that's our reading this week. It was a lot about Peter. And we know a lot about his faults and his weaknesses and where he needed God in his life. And it was just so powerful to have that. And it really led me in my teaching. And it just, I wanted to take a moment to kind of think about how sometimes that's what it's like when we pray. That sometimes God just can come along beside us, almost in dialogue with us. And as we're praying, you can kind of just sometimes say, yes, that's right. You're on the right path. Good question. Now what are you going to do about it? And he can come beside us and lead us. It isn't just about giving everything up and needing a direct answer, but he can come beside us and lead us and take us where he needs us to be. And in that, I just see him as our father, right? Walking beside us, guiding us as we come to him with our prayers of questions, um, our prayers of praise, our prayers 
of need and he can come beside us like a father and just kind of walk us through that in our dialogue. Um, and so that's kind of where I went with this teaching today with Peter. So with all of that in mind, I think it's really important to look at this and think about how he can walk beside Peter who also had very human struggles, but his ultimate growth was for God's glory. So I think that's pretty amazing. So history teacher, we're doing a little bit of PowerPoint, a little bit of history. So bear with me, I hope this helps. Um, do you have the, so I wanna talk a little bit, just reviewing like who was Peter? Okay, well that's kind of small. All right, if you guys will remember about Peter, Peter was a fisherman, a very normal average person. He and Andrew, his brother, were in business together fishing. It was actually Andrew that brought him to Jesus to listen to his teachings. Um, I can't even read that, so I'm going to stand up. Can I walk with this? No, I can't. Um, and so, so his brother is Andrew. <laughs> um, Sorry, I feel a little stuck. The teacher me wants to get up and walk. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, cool. Now I can kind of point and talk and teach and not lose my train of thought. Okay, um, so Jesus also, when he met Peter, he changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock. So he says to us in Matthew 16, 18, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus knew Peter. He met him where he was and he had a plan for him. We also know, if you guys can think back on our readings, we can think about Peter and realize that he's very strong-willed, impulsive. And in this, we often see him being the spokesman for the disciples. He's enthusiastic and boastful. For example, Peter was the one who, when Jesus was walking on the water to them in the boat, who jumped out of the boat and tried to walk on the water too? Peter, Peter right? And then he looked away and started to stumble, but he will willfully just kind of jump without thinking and speak without thinking, but he does it with his whole heart and his whole body, right? Um, he was a part of Jesus's inner circle with James and John, and he was the first to confess that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God, which we had read about previously in Matthew 16, 16 through 17. And Jesus had proclaimed that God had revealed this to him. Okay. And then we know that he denied Christ three times. So knowing all this, we also know that Peter loved Jesus. He jumped to respond to him, often without thinking. And in your reading this week, you may have noticed that four times we read about Jesus' warning in all four Gospels. He warns what Peter is going to do. And in all four Gospels, we also read about the actual events of him denying Jesus. So why are these events about one person's faults so important that they would show up in all four Gospels. 
Um, and I think it's really important. I believe that Peter shows us our own desires. We know where his heart was, but he also shows us our human weaknesses in his story. And I think we can identify with him with that. <clears throat> I know I love Jesus, and I would like to think that I would never deny him, that if I were put to the test, I would be able to do it. But what happens when fear and the world kind of comes in and starts to challenge us in our hopes and desires as good as they are, as good as Peter's were? Um, and I think about Peter. He was already doing so much. He had given his life up as a fisherman. From what I read, I believe he was married, and he kind of gave up this earthly life to walk with Jesus. He was already glorifying him. But I think it's also important to realize that God will meet us where we're at, in our highs and our lows, if we're already walking with him. He will come in, come beside us, and meet us where we're at, and take us where he wants us to go in all of our, our seasons and places in life. All right, so now I think it's really important. We're going to look at Luke 22, 31 through 34. And this is at the Last Supper. This is one of the warnings that we read about. And this was a couple weeks ago. And it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each one of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter, of course, said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you, even to die with you. Again, we know where his heart was, where his desires were. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Not that you aren't one of my disciples, not that you're not gonna proclaim what I'm saying, you don't even know me. And I think that that's showing that Jesus really knew where he was gonna be at his very lowest, his vulnerability. And we know that he did. Peter, who loved Jesus so much, he says it over and over again, denied him three times before the rooster crowed. And it might be easy for us to say, like, how weak of him. How could he do that? He even walked with Jesus. He saw him. He touched him. He knew him. How could he deny him? Or can we say, that would be really hard. I know the world and how they judge Christians today. Is it something that we can almost understand? It's, you know, we see both. But what I love about these passages is that Jesus already knew what Peter was going to do. And he prayed to intercede for him that his faith would not fail. He's going to falter, but he is not going to fail. Um, and he knew his disciples needed Peter. That part really got me. And I think about our time together and how we need each other. He knew that the disciples needed him. And when he said, repent, when you repent and come back to me, strengthen your brothers, strengthen the disciples. They're going to need you. 
He also knew the church was going to need him. He was the rock. He knew that we were going to need him, that he is teaching us today. And I just love seeing that God, that Jesus put this in this for us to read. And I think it's important to kind of walk through Peter's shoes because it really ties in, I think, to what Rhonda was teaching last week. We had the before and the after. We had the law and the long history, and now we get to abide in Christ. And I think what we see with Peter and his experience is that real shift of what that would have looked like if you were walking in Peter's shoes, if you were walking in Israel at this time, and what this meant to physically see this world collapse and the new one start. And in order to do that, I think looking at the initial trial and looking at how it was illegal actually says a lot. So I'm going to walk us through how this was illegal. Now, hello. Okay, good. Work. Okay. All right. So again, we have been reading, which is fun to say, we have been reading for years. <laughs> Testament about how laws are so important to the Jewish people, to the tradition, to the culture, to their belief system. Everything down to the cost of their sins and what item they should sacrifice in order to atone for them, what they should do for meals, how they should wash, what they should eat. Everything was according to law. Very, very strict guidelines. And this is what they stood on and what they turned to when they were trying to understand things. So keep in mind how important the law is and how revealing it is to realize that Jesus's trial was completely illegal and, and carried out by people who were supposed to uphold that very law and be the wise people that carry this out whom they turn to. So for example, it was already decided that Jesus must die. Not a matter of innocent until proven guilty. So they approached this trial with an objective, not a broken law. And they were in search of trying to figure out what they could accuse him of. So they had already decided on the objective and they weren't basing this on the law. They looked to use false witnesses. And this is very telling because at that time in their judicial system, there was a long, lengthy process that witnesses had to go through in order to make sure that truth and justice was carried out. So they had to prove that they were telling the truth. And as we read, they actually looked for people to come and give false witness. Come and lie. Do not go through this process. We don't want the truth. We want you to help us get to our objective. Um, there was no defense for Jesus. And when he spoke the truth, they condemned him for it. The trial was held at night, which was illegal at the time according to their very own laws. And I love Jesus' response to this. If we think about the nighttime and what it was that they were trying to do, they were trying to hide the fact that they're breaking all of these laws. And Jesus' response was, I have been teaching in daylight. I have been teaching before you. I want everyone to know what I am saying. I want them to know what I am teaching. I am not hiding it. And yet they brought him in at night. I think that's important to, to recognize. Serious cases also were only to be held in the high council's regular meeting place, not in their homes. Okay. 
And the Jewish leaders, once they arrested Jesus, they basically arrested him on theological grounds of blasphemy. And then they had to turn around and turn that into something that the Romans could then use against him because they could not put anyone to death unless the Romans approved it. And theological grounds were not going to be means for the Romans. So that's when they actually turned what they had come up with and tried to portray Jesus as a rebel proclaiming. And that's just not something you can have in a Roman Empire, right? So meet our objective. Let's put him to death, okay? And I just think about Peter and how very scary and vulnerable this must have been for him. Seeing all of this happen where he not only was seeing his teacher, the person he loved going through this, but his sense of security and his tradition and his culture and his identity is also being thrown out the door. He's being felt, I think he's visually seeing everything changing. I hope that makes sense. Okay. So what I think is important again to see here is that we have that transition from the laws to what Jesus did for us. And if we look at Jesus's willingness for the next slide, we can see where this change happens. Um, Jesus's willingness to prepare his disciples when he himself was preparing for what was about to happen to himself. So in all of this, this is just beginning what he's going to be going through, right? We know that things are only going to get harder and worse for him as he's being led to the cross. And Jesus knew this. And I, I think about myself preparing for this teaching and how nervous I was and I had to prepare and I wanted my kids to behave so that I could focus on this and not be distracted. And I was just teaching. <laughs> but Jesus knew what was going to happen to him and he was preparing himself but he was willing and able to prepare his disciples as well. And in the midst of strengthening, strengthening Peter and his disciples, we see Jesus turning to God in prayer and even asking for this cup to be removed from him. But his willingness to do God's will and to glorify him shines through in all of this, his beautiful willingness. I know how hard this is going to be. I know what's coming ahead. I am preparing the disciples. I'm trying to prepare myself. But he, again, remember, is human. He feels all pain. He feels hurt. He's going to be denied by Peter. And he's going to be condemned and humiliated. And yet he is so willing to do it. And I love this. Rhonda shared this with me when I was talking about what I was going to be teaching about. But thinking about that trial and his willingness to be misunderstood and in that misunderstanding, they are going to nail him to the cross and his willingness to do that in order to fulfill what God wanted him to do for God's glory. I will suffer this and they will not understand this and I will be humiliated and shamed in, in the walk along with all the pain and his beautiful willingness to do this, knowing what he was going to go through. And I love this. Rhonda also shared this with me, too. If we turn to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, I think this ties in beautifully with how through Jesus' willingness, we can see our life a bit like a big race. 
and how Jesus is our champion and our example. So Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before before us. We do this keeping our eyes on Jesus, the ultimate willing God, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So again, the willingness to prepare us before, during, and after to, to do this together, to do this race to show God's glory and to recognize the sacrifice and the beauty that Jesus did for us, knowing what he would face. And again, like the song, the first song we heard, only Jesus could do this. We know our own weaknesses and we can see them in Peter. Again, he was so very, very human. And again, we know that he denies Jesus three times and he faltered in that great race. And in the midst of his world that he built around Jesus, he watched it shatter as they took him to trial and nailed him on the cross. And he also watched the culture and the laws and the traditions that he'd been brought up on fall and falter and just crumble before him. And I can't help but think about Peter when he did his third denial and realized what he had done. And he had fled and wept. Um, I can't help but wonder, I mean, have any of you ever faltered or wronged someone you love? I felt that pain that almost tears you physically apart. In my heart, these past few weeks has just been with Peter walking through that pain and, and knowing how hard that must have been and yet returning to Jesus and having him be his guide. Um, and I also know that Judas was sifted and he failed because his faith was not strong enough. Now Peter, although he faltered, he returned to Jesus, not only a repentant disciple, but a leader. And he became stronger, he became that rock that Jesus needed him to be for the church that we needed to learn from. And I've been thinking about Peter, as I said, a lot lately, and I think about these worship songs. And I was thinking about Peter this past Sunday, and I was thinking about the worship songs as they're playing and thinking of the words, and I, and I almost couldn't sing, because do you ever have those times where it's the most powerful worship you possibly can experience? and you can't sing. (laughs) How are you worshiping and you're just quietly listening? But I thought about what would it be like if Peter was standing beside us and singing those very words that he knows and lived and feels so true. And my heart has just been bleeding for Peter and understanding him and walking with him. So what was it about him 
that allowed us to learn about him today. And I think it's important to look at Peter after the cross and how he turns into the rock. So again, Jesus made a point to forgive and recommission Peter. If we turn to John 21, let's take a look at this because I know we're reading ahead and I hope I'm not stealing anyone's teaching. But if we turn to John 21, I think this so beautifully portrays Peter and Jesus. So this is when Jesus appears to the disciples for the third time. The disciples are all in a boat and they're fishing and they're not having any luck. And all of a sudden, someone appears on the shore and says, throw your net in one more time. And when they do that, they catch a great load of fish. So if you turn to 21.7, I'm going to start reading. Then the disciple, Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord on the shore. When Simon Peter heard that this was the Lord, and again, this is after Jesus has been on the cross and he is showing himself for the third time. He put on his tunic, for he had stripped to work, and he jumped into the water and headed to shore. And I love this about Peter, that he has gone through so much and learned so much, but he is still very much himself. He jumped in the water and swam to shore. The other stayed in the boat and pulled the load in, of the net into, and went into shore because it was only about 100 yards from shore. And I learned from this from Peter, and I, I feel like I connect with him because I think he is me unfiltered. He does what I may think of, but he does it. You think about the, I just think about the disciples in the boat, kind of like, that's the Lord. He's up there, and Peter jumps in the water, and like, oh, I, I want to jump, but we are only 100 yards, and we got to bring the fish in it, and that we'll be there in two seconds. Like, <laughs> I, you know, the thought process that goes through that. And I just love that Peter jumped in the water and gave absolutely no thought to, to what, he, what, what the others would do, what it would look like. I just love that. Um, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for him, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. Again, he jumps up and does what the Lord asks. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. And a third time. How many times did he deny Christ? Three times. This gets me. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. And Jesus is speaking to Peter. You dressed yourself and went to wherever you wanted to go. 
but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, told Peter, follow me. And this is so Peter. So we've been on a little bit of a journey with him. And he turns, Peter turns around and saw behind him the disciple that Jesus loved. The one who had leaned over during, Jesus's, during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him? <laughs> it's so Peter, he cannot help himself. He is still very much himself, very human, but he wears his heart on his sleeve. And Jesus replied, ever the patient teacher. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. I just love this kind of coming full circle with Peter and his very human struggle and his walk as he learns and continues to grow and glorify God. So Peter after the cross and what he goes through and what Jesus knows sometimes we must go through to be where he wants us to be to glorify him. So we also learn after the cross that Peter was the first to voice the gospel during and after Pentecost. He most likely knew Mark and provided much of the information then that Mark used for his gospel. He wrote one and two Peter, and he faced many beatings and arrests and threats while spreading the gospel. And we see this now that he has strengthened what he has gone through, that fear that prevented him before in his faith to falter. Now he's able to walk with it and, and face things with more strength. And we'll later read about how he invited Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles to become part of the church. And we'll continue to see that Peter is still Peter and his struggle to invite the Gentiles. He didn't want to do it, but he'll do it because God wanted him to follow me. Okay. <laughs> I just, I have just experienced Peter this weekend. I think learning from him and recognizing so much of what he has done for us and what he's gone through to represent that in each one and every one of us. So lessons that we can learn from Peter. Enthusiasm has to be backed up by faith and understanding or it fails. There's few people I think who are as enthusiastic and willing to jump in the water as Peter. But if you don't have the faith and the understanding to back it up, you're just getting all wet, right? Peter had to learn that, that his enthusiasm was only as strong as his faith and understanding. And we can learn from that. It is better to be a follower who sometimes fails than one who fails to follow. I think it's easy for all of us to sometimes say, like, oh, I would do that, but I'm, I, I think I may struggle here and this. And I tried doing that last time and I really failed. If we can get back up and continue to follow, right? Then we're still following and it's so much better to follow and fail than to not follow at all, like Peter. Peter learned to overcome fear as a follower of Jesus. And I think we see the glory of Jesus in Peter's faults, all right? The glory of Jesus is shown when he forgives even our unfaithfulness. I think only Jesus can do that. And Jesus, we see his glory in always being 
a patient teacher. Thank you, Peter, for showing us that, that Jesus is always that patient teacher. And Jesus can and will use us where we are and lead us where he wants us to be. And I like this because we've seen that in Peter. We saw this and we'll continue to see this on Sundays with Nehemiah, where the ordinary can be extraordinary, that God can use each and every one of us with our faults, with our weaknesses, with our goofy characteristics, and he can use us and lead us to where he wants us to be for his glory. And then the we in GPC. I think this was a beautiful way to start the year and a beautiful way to continue this with our community here every Thursday that we get together and hopefully continuing outside of that, that we need each other to strengthen each other and that we can do this together with the we in GPC. I just love that. So um, that's the end of my teaching. I hope this conversation continues at your, your groups. Um, I hope prayer comes into it and how to pray and how to in our very human struggles and in all our weaknesses and understanding all this, how we can pray together for strength for Jesus to help us so that our faith doesn't fail too. And on that note, before you go into groups, I don't know if many of you know this, but today is Rhonda's birthday. Now, instead of embarrassing her any farther, you're dismissed to go to your tables.